This fall, we're in a series called The Gospel of Jesus. We believe the gospel presents a compelling case for what Jesus' early followers believed. Jesus fulfilled God's promise to redeem His creation and make all things new. We believe the gospel of Jesus makes the most sense in explaining the meaning and purpose of life and our part in it. What difference has Jesus made in your life? Well, welcome to uh, Advent. We're beginning Advent today. Advent is the first uh, Sunday uh, following Thanksgiving, typically four Sundays before uh, Christmas is celebrated. So here we are launching into this Advent season. Advent is the arrival of a notable person, a thing, or an event. And so Jesus checks off all those boxes perfectly. Uh, he's a notable person, God himself in the flesh, entering into the world. Uh, a notable thing. He's fulfilling his promises to Israel to bless all nations, to redeem the world that he created, and to fashion a new heaven and a new earth. And the event, of course, is the birth of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, uh, the death and resurrection, ascension into heaven, and promised return of Jesus. So here in Advent, uh, a notable person, thing, and event comes together. And so we continue with the overall theme, the gospel of Jesus, focusing now on this Advent season. And we're asking the question today, what difference can Jesus make in your life? Or perhaps uh, Jesus is making a difference in your life. So we're asking the question then, what difference is Jesus making in your life? What difference do you want Jesus to make in your life? So let's dive in. Um, and I want to ask you an interesting question. I think it's interesting. Would you like to interview God? If you had the opportunity, would you like to interview God? I mean, you've seen zillions of interviews. Uh, some of them are gratuitous. Somebody basically doing a personal infomercial uh, or talking about something that's not interesting to you. When you see a really compelling interview, you're learning things you didn't know. You're being inspired about things you didn't know you cared about. And you're moved to action. So a great interview uh, draws us in equips us with a new way of seeing the world, and then sends us out into the world uh, with a new way of functioning, a new way of behaving, a new way of believing and seeing and engaging the world. So, uh, would you like to interview God? I would love to interview God. In a sense, we can interview God simply by asking questions as we read through His Word. But let me uh, capture your imagination for a few moments and, and take you with me uh, into an interview with God. So, Lord, thanks for this interview. What concerns you most about people? Lord, thank you for taking the time to let me interview you. What concerns you most about people? And here's the Lord's answer. They live in fear and anxiety. They create destructive attitudes and behaviors. People live in fear and anxiety. They create destructive attitudes and behaviors. They want the good things I made for them, but look in the wrong places for them. That by thinking anxiously about the future, they forget the present. They hold on to the past so tightly, they can't trust walking into the future. I'm providing for them one day at a time. Worst of all, they live as if they will never die, and they die as if they had never lived. And they fear the life I have prepared for them. They forget that I'm with them always. Wow. Well, Lord, what are some of life's lessons you want us to learn? 
I want you to learn that you cannot make anyone love you. What you can do is to learn to give and receive love, starting with me. I want you to learn that wealth is not what you have in your life, but what you have, but who you have in your life. Wealth is not what you have in your life, but who you have in your life. I want you to learn from others without comparing yourself to others. A rich person isn't someone who has the most, but one who has learned to need the least. That it only takes a moment to profoundly wound people you love, and it may take many years to heal those wounds. And finally, this question. Lord, anything else you want people to know about you and about themselves, about their mission and purpose in life? Well, I want them to learn to forgive others as I have forgiven them. To learn that it is not always enough to be forgiven by others, but they must also forgive themselves. To learn that there are persons who love them dearly, but simply don't know how to express or show their feelings. To learn that expecting others to make them happy is a burden too heavy for any person to bear. To learn that money can buy everything but happiness. And happiness is a gift that comes from trusting in me daily. To learn that two people can look at the same thing and see it very differently. I want them to understand I know them, love them, and I am here for them always. Wow. Wouldn't it be great to get to personally interview the Lord? And again, as I said, just by reading his word, by entering into an ongoing conversation through prayer, uh, by discussing what we're learning in his word and what we're discovering as we walk with Jesus, in a, in a sense becomes an ongoing, life-shaping, life-transforming interview with the living God, a conversation with the living God that makes all the difference uh, in the world. So the question then is, are you learning these lessons in your relationship with Christ? Are you learning these lessons in your relationship with Christ? Not have you learned them. Perhaps you have learned them uh, long ago. But are you updating everything you're learning and experiencing in your relationship with Christ? Because it's a living, breathing, growing, expanding relationship that we have with Him. It's not just a, a, a point in time, a moment in time. It's an ongoing momentum of transformation that we experience in this relationship with the living God. So how are you applying these things in this difficult pandemic time? Just when we thought the pandemic was maybe flattening out and maybe tapering off, uh, we're confronted with this fact that it's surging. It's increasing. Uh, we have to be ever more vigilant and protective. Uh, we're weary. We're fatigued. And yet, oh no, it's going to keep going. Yes, it is. So how do we apply these things in this difficult pandemic time? You remember then that the, the Advent didn't happen because it was a perfect time, but it was the right time. Uh, the Apostle Paul tells us that at just the right time, Kairos time, not Kronos time that is quantitative. We, we mark off with seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades. But, but Kairos time, quality time, the right moment. And so the advent of Jesus occurs at the right moment, not at a perfect time, but perfect in the sense that it was exactly what God wanted to do to complete and to uh, fulfill his commitment and his mission in the world. 
So what are you doing to seize the moment that you're in? It is we remember and revisit this advent of God's uh, incarnation, God becoming flesh and entering into the world. What lessons can we, can we grasp in this time of pandemic? Rather than saying this is an excuse not to deal with my relationship with God, this is an opportunity to fully embrace in, in a fresh way. I take a deep dive into our relationship with God. I love how it says in, in Lamentations 3, 22 to 23, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Okay, the people were in exile. Their, their life had been completely uh, disrupted. They'd been dislocated, displaced from their home. They're now in a foreign land. They're strangers in a strange land. They're subjects of another king. They're second-class citizens. They're dealing with all the upheaval of, of, a, of a new culture, a new social order, a new economic reality. Uh, it's completely disorienting. And yet in the midst of this, God gives them this incredible hope. And the, and the writer of Lamentations can say, in spite of all this, in the context of all this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Oh, except in COVID. No. No. COVID is a context. COVID is simply a context for us to experience in a fresh way the faithfulness of God. I love how Paul writes to the Corinthians in his second letter to them. Uh, Corinth, a phenomenal town in Greece, a thriving city, a cultural influencer of a place. Uh, and, and the people of God, these people who are new followers of Jesus are wrestling with how do we function in, in this world that is at cross purposes, it seems, with the things of God. And they're going through a very difficult time. So Paul says, all this, all these difficulties are for your benefit so that the grace that is extending to more and more people may overflow in thanksgiving to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Oh, except in COVID. <laughs> in that context, he could have said, oh, except for the fact that Caesar isn't being very good to us. Uh, the, the fact that this culture is in, antagonistic toward us. Oh, the fact that, that we're suppressed, we're harassed, we're misunderstood. No. In this very context, he says, this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is extending to more and more people may overflow in thanksgiving to the glory of God. As, as they see you appropriate God's lessons and God's promises, even in this situation, you'll reflect the glory of God in a very, very dark world. A world that yearns for the light of Christ, but is fearful and anxious about it. Therefore, we don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. We're not who we're going to be. We're not where we're going to be. But where we are and who we are is a place where God will meet us and do his work in us. Because we're being renewed day by day by his abiding presence. This is the message of Advent that we need to recapture. Uh, and so here we are celebrating Thanksgiving. And now this is the, the Thanksgiving weekend, really. 
Thanksgiving on Thursday, now on Sunday we're worshiping God, yet it's, it's a transition into Advent. I love the, the continuity of that. We prepare ourselves for Advent, the arrival of this notable person and thing and event, by, by reconnecting with uh, our gratitude and a spirit of thanksgiving. And of course, Abraham Lincoln captured this in his 1863 Thanksgiving proclamation, officially making Thanksgiving an enduring national holiday. Previously, it was uh, uh, an occasional holiday. Now it's being formalized, it's being institutionalized uh, as part of the American experience. That it would be a predictable, ongoing celebration of our Thanksgiving and gratitude to God. Very powerful that Abraham Lincoln seized that moment in 1863. And so here's what he writes to the people. It is a duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God. To confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow. Yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon. And to recognize the sublime truth announced in the holy scriptures and proven by all history that those nations are blessed whose God is the Lord. These are stunning words being spoken from the highest office in the land. It has seemed to me fit and proper that God should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwells in the heavens. Wow, those are stirring words. That's a firm foundation from which to launch into this Advent season, don't you think? So if the first big idea of the morning was, wouldn't it be great to interview God? And the second being uh, that we get to apply these lessons that we learn from him as we walk with him and get to know him and his will through his word among his people. We are in a place where we can give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. So this is what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In all circumstances, not when it's convenient, not when it's easy, but always in all things. Not being blinded uh, to the, the depravity of the world or, or those things that can be so distracting and cause us to be despairing about our experience of the world. But with the, with the wisdom of God, being able to see his abiding presence with us and being constantly ongoing, thankful and grateful for his abiding presence. So what does giving thanks in all circumstances then look like in a functional, practical way? Well, be thankful for answered prayer and be thankful for unanswered prayer. We trust to God the answers to our prayers. Sometimes we're frustrated that he doesn't answer in the time or the way that we want him to answer. But we need to learn to be thankful for answered prayer as well as unanswered prayer as we trust God. Be thankful that in Jesus Christ, your best days are yet ahead. As I said, we're not who we really are going to be. We're going somewhere really good. We're, become, we're going to become something really good. In the meantime, we get to experience the goodness of God right now. We're in process. We're becoming something. 
Now is the only time that matters as we embrace it one day at a time by the grace of God. But the hope and the the promise is that we're becoming something that we can hardly even imagine it so good. So your best days are not behind you. Your best days are yet ahead. And then be thankful when you don't know something. It's an opportunity to learn. Knowing something uh, gives us confidence. Not knowing something uh, undermines our confidence, increases insecurity. But as we realize that God is tutoring us, he's training us, he's mentoring us, he's coaching us. He's preparing for us for this life that we're living as well as preparing us for life yet ahead. There's no shame in saying, I don't know. I need to learn. And there's no shame in saying, you know, I learned that a long time ago, but I seem to have forgotten it, and I need to refresh my understanding of it. This is a powerful thing to be a lifelong learner, to constantly be growing and have the, having the humility to say, I don't know. Or if I do know, I don't know quite how to apply it in this situation. That's why his mercies are new every morning. Well, he constantly surprises us. So be thankful for the difficult times. For those times, again, are the times in which you grow. We're often most motivated to grow when times are most difficult. When we're at the end of our rope, at the end of our wit. We're at the end of all of our natural resources. And now we're saying, Lord, what next? Now what? Be thankful for new challenges that build your wisdom, strength, and character. Don't resent them as intruders. Welcome them as friends. Be thankful in failure. God will meet you there and teach you valuable lessons. Not to humiliate you, but to strengthen you, to discipline you, to give you a deeper sense of his capacity to work in and through you. Be thankful when you're tired and weary. It probably means you've been working to bless someone. You've been doing something important and worthwhile. Don't resent your fatigue and your need for a break. I just got back from taking 10 days off and I feel so refreshed. What a gift it was uh, to be able to take a break and be refreshed. Be thankful in good times and bad times. Why? Because if you do that, you will live a life of rich fulfillment. If your life is defined by circumstances alone, uh, you're going to live a roller coaster life. Your life will, be, will feel more like a, a, an ongoing uh, experience of scarcity versus prosperity. We prosper not because of our circumstances, but we prosper because we are in the Lord in our circumstances. And as we learn to prosper in Him, our circumstances might not change, but we will change within our circumstances. We will become more resourceful, more resilient. And this is the powerful thing about gratitude. When we learn to be thankful for our burdens, we discover that they are the way that God delivers his blessings. Wow. How does that work? Well, because it changes our focus from resentment. Why is this happening to me? This is not right. This is not fair. I deserve better. That's a transactional approach to life. I did this, you owe me, you should do that. Rather than a a trust-based, relational approach to life, Lord, where are we going now? What do you want to show me now? How have you equipped me to deal with this situation? Or how are you equipping me to respond to this situation? And so it changes our focus from resentment to resourcefulness and resilience, perseverance, staying power. It might look like we're losing, but in him, we're winning. 
He's achieving his victory in us that will deliver us to him transformed, perfected in Christ. It isn't easy, it's always worth it. It isn't always pleasant, but it's always good. He wants to fill us with hope and faith. Faith not in wishful thinking, not hope that, gee, you know, um, hopefully things will change as my circumstances change. But rather, in the context of all of our circumstances, we have an abiding faith and enduring hope that God is with us and God is for us. And therefore, when the circumstances do change, we're ready to embrace them. We're not still sitting in our uh, resentment. He wants us uh, to have an attitude of gratitude that enhances altitude and aptitude, (laughs) that increases fortitude and plenitude, and puts us in a better mood. I know it sounds silly, but as I started thinking of what this does, what this process of thanksgiving and gratitude does in us, uh, this is what came to mind. It's an attitude of gratitude that enhances altitude, where we can go, and aptitude, what we do as we go. It increases fortitude, strength, and plenitude, a sense of prosperity, despite our circumstances. It puts us in a better mood. I'm going somewhere with God, and it's somewhere good. So we learn to depend on God and others in a way that both humbles us and ennobles us. Think about that. Dependency... Uh, is not an act of humiliation. Dependency is an act of humility and trust, learning how to receive and give love. Learning how to say, I have a need. Will you help me? Thank you. Forgive me. All those things that make us feel very vulnerable, but absolutely give us the strength we need to endure and to prevail. We become alive to God and aligned with his purposes for us. We stop just knowing stuff about God or believing stuff about God. We start feeling alive through God. Something starts to awaken in us and be renewed within us. And as we find ourselves plateauing, getting worn out, we say, okay, I I restore, Lord, the joy to my salvation. And what do we do? We've learned practices and habits of turning toward him, aligning with him. Not my will, but yours be done. Soaking our hearts and minds in his word. Opening our hearts and our minds to him through his Holy Spirit and other people saying, wow, I'm really tired. I need some encouragement. I need some rest. I need need some brothers and sisters uh, walking with me through this situation. That's profound humility that results in an incredibly powerful strength and endurance. And so we become alive to God and aligned with his purposes for us and our capacity to express gratitude then empowers us to take responsibility for our lives. Think about that. Being grateful and having an attitude of thankfulness increases our capacity. It actually expands our capacity or engaging creatively in life. Why? Because we're taking responsibility for our life. All that means is that uh, we say, look, this is what I need. This is where I am. This is who I am. This is what I'm feeling. This is my commitment uh, to move with God through it. To be responsible isn't to say, hey, everybody stand back. I can handle it. It's saying, please, come close because I can't handle it. 
but I am going to be responsible. I'm going to respond accordingly. I will take charge and ownership of my own life so that I can lay it down at the feet of Christ and open it up to my brothers and sisters in Christ. You see the power of that? It might feel counterintuitive, but it's essential that we take responsibility for our life. Why? Otherwise, our dependence really is helplessness, a learned habit, a learned behavior. I don't know what to do. I can't do anything. We fall into a victim mentality. We stop taking responsibility and we start assigning that to other people. We start projecting on other people our needs, wants, and desires, our failures, and our fallibility. You see, taking responsibility for your life means that you can say, Lord, I confess my sins. Uh, I repent of my sin. I receive the gift of your grace and forgiveness. I receive the, the power of your Holy Spirit. I welcome the love that you're pouring into me through your Holy Spirit and through people. We open our hands to receive that. We open our heads to receive that. We open our hearts to receive that. And so we move from helplessness to dependence. A sense that I'm not complete in and of myself. I absolutely, desperately need the Lord and I need other people. But I need them in a way that allows me to uh, not only receive a blessing, but to participate in a blessing and be, to be part of a movement of God's blessing in and through his people to bless the whole world. And so it makes us highly, highly resourceful, resource-rich, resilient, creative. It expands our capacity. This is an amazing thing. Our capacity to express gratitude empowers us to take responsibility for our life and care for other people. We learn to depend on God, which humbles us and ennobles us, and it's a sign of trust and blessedness that God would allow that to be the case. We can trust him because he wants to bless us. I'm cared for by God, and I'm learning to care for everything that he cares about. Uh, Say that to yourself. I'm cared for by God, and I'm learning to care for everything that God cares about. Another way of saying it is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That covers all the bases, doesn't it? Gratitude turns life into a get-to rather than a have-to. Oh, I have to love God. I have to love other people. I guess they have to love me. Instead of, you know what? What a gift. I get to love God. I get to love others as uh, he loves me and as I experience his love. I get to love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and my neighbor as myself. Who ever thought I'd have the capacity to do that? What difference does Jesus make in your life? All the difference in the world. And that's what we'll be, we'll be uh, exploring, and reflecting on, and talking about throughout this Advent season. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters that you love each one of us so much that you came into the world, uh, not just for us, but certainly for us and for everyone in this world. And so Lord, what a gift that is. You don't see us as a category or a mass. You see us as individuals, a people to be loved and cherished, called beloved sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. So Lord, we look forward to entering into this Advent season as a time of renewal, a time of new insight, 
a time of remembering who you are and who we are in you. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you so that you can reflect the love of God in you and through you to others, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.